0: Welcome to the Best of 7 presented by The Big Lead. My name is Kyle Koster. I am here with Stephen Douglas. We are diving into the new HBO series Winning Time about the rise of the 1980 Los Angeles Lakers. And ever since Jeff Perlman wrote the book, I think we knew that this thing was destined to be in the zeitgeist and seeing all the big names that have helped it along the way, putting it on this platform, this standalone place on Sunday night, we got to thinking with its status as the marquee show on Sunday night, we should do a power rankings like we did for succession. We are nothing if not consistent here at the big lead. We are two episodes in. We're going to make these first rankings emblematic of the first two episodes. And then we're going to do this weekly on Monday going forward. Steven, I know that there was a lot of anticipation and excitement for this show. And I think that my feeling watching it is I just kind of get like a full body buzz because I feel like it's kind of manipulative. It's very McKay. He's breaking the fourth wall a lot. It kind of feels like some other stuff that I've watched, but at the same time, it's a vibe I really, really enjoy. And I have to say that I've been really impressed early on by how much the story has intrigued me and also some of the performances by the actors and actresses involved and how they've really transcended and brought these larger than life characters to life in a different, but realistic and entertaining way what are your broad thoughts on the show thus far 2 hours in?
1: Yeah, it's it's really uh brought home all Adam McKay has his whole aesthetic uh everything that he is uh it's kind of everything he's been working towards and perfecting whatever he is however he wants to shoot these shows. I'm I'm not 100% certain that much of it is necessary like having three different filters in one scene, the number one, the number one goal should be to entertain and it's an entertaining show. Uh, They nailed a lot of the casting, which with certain characters would have been a very difficult. Uh, They Adam McKay threw away a long time friendship to get uh, the casting of Dr. Jerry bus, right? Um, It was worth it for the show. I'm not sure that it was worth it for the grand scheme of the cinematic comedy world, not having Adam McKay and Will Ferrell together anymore, but for the show, he did what was necessary. So good for him. Uh, you know, just two entertaining hours. Uh, I'm, I've been reading some things that seems like they might try and stretch this out a little too much. Uh, they already know it's not, they, they only did part of the book for one season. I saw somewhere today where somebody thought they might go on for four or five seasons. I, I don't know how they'll be able to sustain that, but so far, you know, so good.
0: Yeah. And I think that I had pretty high expectations. I think they're being met, but I do think this subject material while it is vast and you could probably give me a day in the life from any of the 12 years that this era spanned and be like okay we got something here, but I kind of wonder how much friction how much that dynamic bumps up against itself over and over again, kind of the same thing we talked about succession, how many times are people going to be in a room, and is Jerry Buss going to be like, well, why do we do it my way, you know, and like do it a different way like it kind of feels like you're watching this <laughs> amalgamation if they combined succession in Moneyball. Two great things. Don't get me wrong, but it kind of feels like that peanut butter and jelly sandwich being pushed together. And as much as we love that sandwich, if we had to eat it each and every single day, we might put on some pounds (laughs) and would probably have diminishing returns. So let's get right into the power rankings. And I want to start at number seven, as we always do as we work our way up, Genie Bus. And I think I'll turn it over to you because. When I initially started to do these by myself, I didn't have her and she didn't really stand out in a way. And maybe I kind of forgot some of that connectivity that she had that was laid in the premiere episode with her dad establishing, you know, kind of like her place in this universe because she takes a step back in the second episode. But why is, was it important to get Jeannie Buss on this list?
1: Well, I think... It's, it's one of those spoiler alert things. It's a true story. We know how important she ends up. So, and it's also, she's a great example of the poetic license involved in this project. Uh, Jeannie Buss did not start at the Lakers before Jerry Buss even bought it when she was a teenager. Um, she, Jerry bus put her in charge of a, a professional tennis team when she was still in college. She had nothing to do with the Lakers except for, you know, Jerry Busby and her father. But in the show, she's brought in and she's got all these great ideas and uh, another character that we're going to talk another person that we're going to talk about. And another person we're going to talk about, you know, saw her, her genius at 19 years old, just a former beauty queen working in the office, supposed to be getting coffee. But, you know, she's ready. She's ready to change the Lakers right off the bat.
0: And this big idea you're talking about is to book the form as much as possible, correct? Like they talk about this from the business side, where it's like, what are we going to do to make an impact? And they kind of say, well, we're booked for 216 out of the 365. What can we do to bump that up? And the idea is immediately met with, well, nobody does that, but it's kind of like, why can't we do it? And they say, well, the acoustics are bad here. So that's why we don't have these concerts. And the thought process kind of comes up like, it doesn't matter what the acoustics are. It's LA, it's Hollywood. It is this crown jewel it is this exciting thing and that will mirror what the lakers become as they have success you know what i mean like if you want to talk about the form it was not a great venue to watch basketball i mean it's kind of depleted it's not it was not state of the art or anything like that but what was what was the draw was the pure entertainment and much like the musical acts that are going to come in that's what the lakers were and i think it's really cool too to see that like Yes, it's probably apocryphal. It's probably a lot of creative license. But what the, what the storyteller is trying to do right there is say like, from an early age, she understood the business. She had new ideas. And I think that like, there's something so exciting to watch. And especially when you pit her as a young woman at a time where things were even more male dominated. Sometimes it just kind of takes someone from outside the box and someone with new ideas and a totally different perspective who's underappreciated and kind of underestimated and be like, well, this is where the high value ideas can come from. And I think we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper with some other people on the list. It does kind of seem like the story that wants to be told is some sort of like, not egalitarian, but kind of like a champion, uh, you know, Painting this franchise in bus in a way is kind of like a champion for women, as we're going to have someone else on the list that plays this role with a totally different personality and a totally different job, but is kind of working toward the same thing in the way that Bus treats her. Let's move on to number six, Red Arbach, the Boston Celtics legend. The cigar, the cigar could not have been any bigger. And that's what I liked. Like if you're going to have red on screen, you have to have a huge stogie. And this thing looks like it's uh, capable of holding tennis balls as a (laughs) canister. And he's always got it in his mouth. And he is introduced as kind of the veteran, uh, the champion. And I think at one time, Dr. Jerry Buss says, look, I understand that I'm the freshman and I respect that, but I want to pick your brain. I want to work together. I want to get where you are. And obviously, Arbuck bristles and he wants to do things old school. But you can kind of see where Buss chips away at him a little bit, gets him to come to dinner. And even if that dinner doesn't go very well, you can kind of see them more merging closer to being equals, I should say. The character is played by the great Michael Chiklis of the commish fame. <laughs> and when I first saw him, I was like, yeah, I think that's Chiklis. But the makeup, they kind of transform him into looking uh, part like it's kind of like a, an older version of uh, Sipowitz from NYPD. Blue, <laughs> And I just love the character and the vibe. And he's going to be painted as kind of the old school owner the guy who's on top uh but dropping his ashes on the floor of the great western form a very powerful figure a very menacing figure what stood out to you about this character or its portrayal
1: yeah just another the this this is the first cartoon character on our list you know uh at least i think it is i you know red Arbach just immediately comes off as this huge asshole and just, you know, it, they immediately sell that we're in LA. We should hate Boston because these people are just jerks and, you know, he read his one, however many titles and in, in this was an era when there were like four teams in the entire NBA, you know, good for him. Good for all the Celtics and their hall of famers and their banners. But, uh, he, he was, he was very good. He's a, he's a natural villain for our story. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. They just another one where they nailed the casting. Uh, they really exaggerated who you, the character and whatever.
0: Well, and you know, it's just another thing from I it's it's kind of crazy how the McKay DNA touches everything of this. Like when I first saw Arbach, I was kind of like, Oh, this kind of feels a bit like vice. This there's kind of a Dick Cheney vibe, and it's so weird <laughs> that I can't separate that. And I'm wondering if you're having the same experience it all kind of feels like part and parcel of this larger universe that he's built. And I wonder if that's fair, but do you kind of get those same vibes where you're like, it all feels like a connected story. And I think if Farrell was in it too, it would have just felt like some bizarro spin-off of uh Anchorman.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. Just, I, the way that he, he shoots all his movies, they, they do kind of fit together and this more importantly, the Red Arbach uh, introduction was also our introduction to David Stern, who was just kind of played like a little straight man. He got to be like, "Oh, oh you want to see the Pope? You go follow the the smoke."
0: <laughs> okay, then I will add a little bit on Stern and say that that might have been my favorite part of the series so far is seeing the way that he was portrayed. You could kind of see that cantankerousness. You could see that he didn't take any shit from anybody uh, standing up to like the biggest names. And, uh, and I just thought that portrayal was really awesome in, in a small uh, dose, uh, doing a lot in a small window. We love that a heat check performance, as another podcast would say. Number five, and I think that this might be undervalued on our list, but I expect it to move up as we go forward. And that's Erletha Kelly, also known as Cookie Johnson. She plays Irvin Johnson's once girlfriend, not girlfriend anymore, will become his wife. And I think that she's a dynamo. I love the agency this character is given in this story. I think that she stands up for herself. I think that she has the upper hand in the relationship. She's one of the few people that doesn't kiss his ass. I think his parents also are portrayed in a way that's pretty cool in that they treat him as their son, not this megawatt superstar. And she will continue to treat him like that. And we know as the series goes forward, I love her portrayal. She's very likable. It's really cool that they set her up to be with someone else, a very religious guy, uh, and much to Irvin's dismay Uh. at the time who he then has to get into a pickup basketball game and, and try to humiliate But that doesn't really necessarily win her over because she is a tough nut to crack. She's not, uh, you know what I mean? She's not portrayed as like a fame hungry person as maybe the other women on the show will be for those aims. But I was just really happy to see how they're treating this character. And I think that the actress who plays her, Tamara Tamakili, I think that this is going to be a breakout performance for her, much like it's going to be a breakout performance for someone who's very high on our list. I love the interaction between her and Irvin. It feels like a real relationship, and it feels like people who have shape and contour to their lives that aren't these celebrities as So many people were introduced to them at a time in their life where they were larger than life figures. And then also eventually in 1991 with the HIV diagnosis, kind of at the forefront of this large cultural discussion about what it means um, to be with someone at at a difficult time. It was really cool for me to see that there's a lot of shading going on. What are your thoughts on, on Cookie?
1: Cookie and Irvin's mom both uh, uh, are very, very uh, withholding. I mean, that's not the right word for cookie, but they don't want to, they're not just going to give him the love and appreciation that he, that he wants that he gets from everyone else. Uh, And that's probably what keeps magic coming back and pursuing her because she's the one girl that he can't just have. Uh, That's very unfortunate for the, the other boyfriend who, just happens to play basketball at the park. You know, if, if you're, if you have magic Johnson's ex-girlfriend, you're better off hanging out playing cricket or uh, tennis or something. You know, if, if magic Johnson shows up like to show you up on a basketball court, there's, there's not much you can do. It's, it's a rough outing for uh, anyone to uh, get matched up against a 19 year old magic Johnson coming off the uh, NCAA championship. Um, so, yeah it, it's it's a it's a it's a fine storyline, you know, it's important it's if if you're gonna do magic, you have to do his entire history with cookie and you know just and and going back to his mom, just how upset she was to get the uh the bathtub with all the jets was very, very weird, you know, and then she's she's bragging about it anyway, so, that seems like it's, it's going to be what drives magic is trying to get these two women to just give um, outward love and let him know that he's special.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you caught the subtext of the basketball scene, but it was kind of like when one dog dominates another dog. I don't know if you caught that clip <laughs> in. That was very subtle. Number four on the list, Claire Rothman played by the great Gabby Hoffman. And I think She's kind of presented as a by the book person, a numbers person, someone who is concerned with the details and then has the meeting with Dr. Buss who kind of encourages her to think in creative ways to look for other options. I think that this is going to be paramount to the story. She will kind of be the mooring. She is kind of the adult in the room, to Buss's kind of wild kinetic kid-like energy. She plays it really well. She's also tough. You can tell that she's not a pushover. Again, another character who I have to say with just two hours under our belt, I do feel like has been painted rather complex. Like there are different shades. What stood out to you about our introduction to someone who will become a pivotal figure of the story, but someone who has largely been in the background and maybe some people watching this show don't even really know what Rothman's role was in the franchise, because I will be honest, I'm not completely sure on that. I'm actually, it's actually one of the things I'm looking most forward to seeing from a plot standpoint is how she factors in, where she fits in the pecking order and what she's responsible for.
1: Yeah, she's definitely introduced. Uh, she's very unsure of Jerry bust cause she's at least in this story and probably in real life, uh, is coming from a situation where she was not heard. She was skeptical because she came from the uh, situation when Jack can't cook, who also apparently is portrayed in a very, uh, unfair light in this story um where she's like she's just there but uh in order for jerry bus be, be all that she can be and he's very receptive to uh female voices um and she is surprised by that and you know and then she's also taken off guard because they uh they take the books away and i think they gave them to uh, jerry's mom yeah i i don't know anything about 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 Claire's role either um but you can you can tell they're setting you up to she seems like she's going to be in and being the future of the form in the Lakers
0: and I think that that's you know you can't tell the complete story without kind of like that inner workings and that again I feel like that's why it makes me feel like I'm watching uh, an extension of moneyball, which is a great thing to feel because any you know it's one of the best movies that's been made of the century uh, for sure
1: Okay, yeah, I know what I was thinking that she's she's our our new Jerry because um, what i what I find most uh, interesting about this story is is the business side um, so i I think that if this was the lakers succession righteous gemstones uh i'd be completely fine with that and she's she is a, a key part and sold as a key part to the audience very quickly and effectively i think
0: yeah yeah i hope there's not a. Uh, I don't want to know who roman is in in this no. scenario yeah, uh no. i know who it's not it is not ac green all right let's get to the meaty stuff the top three and this is a hugely crowded field at number three, it's Jerry West. And I'll tell you, the logo has some real complaints, righteous complaints about his portrayal in this series already. Just when you think it can't get worse for him, it does. Uh, It's a fantastic performance by Jason Clark, who plays a sweaty, miserable enthusiast of, Athletic sex. I got to say, that's the one moment he did seem to enjoy yeah. dripping wet. There was a tremendous amount of perspiration in that scene, which I'm not entirely sure was necessary after winning the championship. Uh, obviously, he didn't get all of his aggression out, but he is a brooding, miserable, day drinking son of a bitch. Uh, and, you know, without a lot of contours, I feel like, like maybe they're trying to present him by showing his incredibly difficult childhood why he is the way that he is but there's no softness there's no like sympathy afforded to him and he seems like he uh, paints himself as a know-it-all maybe someone who's been burned by management before and is rightly distrustful of Bus when he first comes on i guess i'm kind of curious to see exactly what his character arc looks like because they've made him so curmudgeonly and so negative and so terrible that i don't really know like he can't get worse because it's already straining credulity and if he gets better is that going to feel like some sort of like cheap redemptive tale um like you would see in a in a cheap in a mediocre sports movie. I don't particularly like when he's on the screen. I don't particularly (laughs) think that the tension between him and bus is all that compelling. Uh, I don't know. Like for some reason, it's not like popping with me, but he is such a key character in the plot. And they're focused on him so much that I think that he deserves to be on this list. And it's a very memorable, Performance. If for no other reason than it's shocking to see a legend like this who doesn't have a reputation that's this bad portrayed this poorly on screen, and I didn't read Perlman's book. I don't know exactly what how that reads as it pertains to West, but I think that a lot of people are probably watching this series, seeing the way that West is presented, and doing a deep dive on Google to be like, could this actually be true?
1: Yeah, uh, Jerry West. The I guess the the comedy, the softness comes in how uh, angry and how miserable he is. Um, I I didn't. I just know about Jerry West from the basketball world, um, helping put together championship teams and you know being a great player in his own day. But after seeing this, I went and looked, and it's like every everybody's like he was not like this he he was not angry like this he was just miserable i i saw a thing today where i think one of his college roommates said that he went two weeks without saying a word um he's just a miserable guy and they they go over the top and turn him into a, a an angry guy um like throwing his uh, mvp trophy through the window and then in the next episode he's gluing it back together um so i and then he's like in his own guest house, laying on the floor in his underwear, and one of the guys from Lakers comes by and gets him excited right before he quits. It, he's a he's a real roller coaster. Uh, Jason Clark is he's he's very good, um, but it seems more like the extension of uh, it seems like the aging version of his character from from uh, Zero Dark Thirty. What his life would have become. Rather than uh, a guy who uh, won a championship and got rich playing basketball and got to work in basketball his entire life. But, you know, Jerry West apparently is the logo should have a frown on it, I guess.
0: He does have the same disposition as someone who is at war. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it does. He does have the same disposition as his character in Zero Dark Thirty, who has seen his friends tortured and tortured (laughs) others like it is like he's being waterboarded himself. And it is weird uh, that, yes, it is just basketball. And I know that losing eight NBA finals and only winning one would be tremendously disappointing uh but i just don't know if we're getting uh the fairest edit on old west Mm -mm. i mean if that's if this is all true if this is exactly what he's like how funny is it then that he's the actual logo of the nba
1: Uh, yeah i mean this this seems more like the portrayal of like ty cobb in in a movie um just I mean, this is, but this is Jerry West, the guy who apparently isn't this, this freaking angry and is also still alive and all his friends are alive and they have to keep coming out and saying, well, no, he's just sad. It's just, it's a very strange choice, but you know, it's another one of those things where everybody, most of the characters have to be, you know, full on characters. And Jerry West gets, mm-hmm. Jason Clark gets to just, you know, really explore the room with his rage. And the best part is that when his, his one, uh, moment of happiness and passion, uh, he wins the championship and they show him like still sulking during the, during the celebration on the court. And then he doesn't, he doesn't pick up, you know, a woman there at the forum, none of the groupies or like cheerleader or something. He goes and he meets a woman at a funeral and then takes her home and she finds confetti in his hair and then that falls down next to a dead fly on the ground. Just incredible cinematography.
0: Well, that's actually a role that Will Ferrell could have played because he's played it before uh, in wedding crashers. Let's get to the choice between one and two. The two people left on our board are magic Johnson and Dr. Jerry bus. And it's hard To put this guy not at the top of the list because I thought it was going to be impossible for an actor to play Magic Johnson in a suitable, convincing, and satisfying way. But yet, number two is Magic Johnson just behind Jerry Buss. The drama is out of the balloon. The air is out of the drama. This is a shocking thing for me to see because this is one of Quincy Isaiah's first roles. He is a relative unknown. He went to school up in my neck of the woods at Kalamazoo college. He was a lineman on the football team, not a particularly good basketball player to begin with. And he's six foot two. And you want to know what, when I see him on screen, I'm like, that's magic Johnson. He is unbelievably charismatic. He has the smile down. He moves with the bravado. The body looks Like live, like you remember they do such a good job with the fashion in this show and kind of like as someone again, like because it's my neck of the woods, it's cool to see Lansing presented as just kind of like any old town and he's any old guy because before he was Magic Johnson, he was Irvin you know, the name came about because someone writing about high school sports wanted to jazz up their own coverage. And you think about how much that was responsible ultimately for his star power. It's pretty crazy. He exudes confidence. He exudes like right on the line of being tempted to kind of get into a lifestyle that he doesn't want to get in or, isn't really true to his ethos you know he grew up one of nine kids his dad was a garbage man you're talking about very humble beginnings and i think you see him at this point in the series two episodes in he's a guy at that precipice on one hand having the world but in the other getting schooled by norm nixon uh who is dressed to the nines at a cocktail party while playing one-on-one i am blown away at how much i enjoy watching quincy isaiah on the screen and i think the number one thing for me that solidified this project to me is just how interesting of a character magic johnson is we were talking before how i might be more satisfied with just a like a really high budget long feature film on magic johnson as opposed to the Lakers dynasty, because I think that the subject material is the most interesting when it pertains to him, both on his ascent and then what he meant to humanity, kind of being like the face of this disease cut short from his playing career. And then going on to being this unbelievably successful businessman, he's lived one of the most interesting lives in sports of the last half century.
1: Yeah. uh, Magic is so good. Um, he, you like him. Uh, you understand that all these. All these women want him. He, he tries. It seems, but he just can't help himself. Uh, from they portray him as very smart from a very early age, um, thoughtful. You know, like his his buddies are talking about doing a, a shaved, flavored ice business, and he. You know, most guys would be like, oh, yeah, a good... but he's like, OK, give me a business plan, which is something that, you know, I mean, one of the other things Magic is well known for is being a great businessman. And he showed that early um, in this first meeting with uh, Jack Kent Cook when he's talking about how much he's worth. Um, just he, he, you believe him as a basketball player. Uh, you believe him as being this charismatic uh, person that everybody wants a part of. Uh, the part with Norm Nixon was, you know, showed getting humbled a little bit. And you know who plays uh, Norm Nixon? Norm Nixon's son, which is uh, a little crazy. But yeah, I I really like Magic. They nailed it. Uh, they also, it seems, they did a good job casting Kareem, which we only saw him for like a couple seconds, maybe the first episode. But just casting these real like two of the most famous basketball players in the world of all time and yeah i mean if you don't nail these these roles then you know the show really doesn't work but it seems like they did that and so it is working so far but yeah magic is really good
0: and with johnson it's a it's a double edged sword because you see that confidence and charisma and you understand why that was a positive looking back with 2020 vision. But I also think through this portrayal of uh, what he was like with that meeting with bus and the other um, brass, was that cook? Yeah. That meeting with bus and cook, where you kind of see the butting of heads of some cultural ideas, but then you also kind of see like the Johnson family taking agency. You understand why like a stodgy white Uber rich person who's had a ton of control all their life might not want to sign into that and might be more attracted to the Larry bird model. So even in like the positive aspects of the personality, you can kind of see why there was trepidation about making this guy the face of the league. And that's even dove into is like some of the owners meetings. And I think that the show, like it does beat you over the head at the point of saying Larry bird, white, white, white it's actually exploring issues and presenting them in a way that I think like I can understand them uh, just from like how people feel and the way the world was back then instead of just kind of reading like a history history dissertation on a page. Number one, as we said before, Dr. Jerry Buss played by the great John C. Riley. Why don't I start it by saying this? Are we looking at his best role of all time potentially, because I don't think that's sacrilegious to say he is so cool. He is so fun to be with, even if you don't totally love everything that he's doing. I think that he has just been fantastic at Dynamo. He controls the pace of play in a way that is very rare for TV. Like it's his moment and you're going to go at his pace and he's an ultimate control. Like he is that point guard kind of like magic was on the basketball court. Any moment he's on screen, I'm tingling with excitement and joy because I think he's so fun. And I actually kind of see. here's the secret. I kind of like a lot of the stuff that he's doing because he has good ideas and he has ideas that are, reflective of having respect for the little guy, because that's what his upbringing was like.
1: Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen any more episodes of this, but I think it's going to work out for him. Uh, I, I think his ideas are going to, to uh, work out, but yeah, John C. Riley is, it's like he was, he's just perfect. He, he is John, he is uh, Dr. Jerry Buss. Um, I mean, maybe it helps that I, I only know Jerry Buss from like seeing him at Lakers games, but like he just, I believe it. I believe every second of it. Uh, he's John C. Ryle is so good in so many different, so, such a vast array of roles. And this just seems like it hits right in the middle of the, the comedy and the seriousness um how we can do the straight man stuff but with just well just being funny and you as soon as you see him you're like will ferrell never could have done this it, w- it would have been a complete cartoon with will ferrell it would have been it would not have worked it would have been um, like watching
0: it would have been like watching jackie moon turn gm yeah it would have thrown the whole thing off a tremendous amount of thing it just doesn't fit like i mean You you nailed it. It was it was the right choice, but it was kind of the only choice. After seeing, if you screen tested C Riley like and didn't go with that, you'd be an insane
1: person. Yeah, he's he's so good. Um, You love I love every interaction he has with everyone. Um, I'm I'm never going to get sick of him. Somebody saying, "Well, this is going to cost too much money," and he's like, "Let me worry about it." And then immediately, well, I don't have this money. How am I going to get this money? Um, it, it's it's also a, a great look at how rich people work, where it's like, I need all this money, but I don't have it. But that's not that's not really an issue. I mean, that would be an issue for a regular person, needing money and not having money. But rich people just get to create it. And Jerry Buss is like, I don't know. I didn't know anything about his family. His, his mother is apparently very, very savvy with the books. Um, he, Dr. Jerry Bus you know, I didn't know. I didn't know about his professional tennis thing, um, but it's also weird. Probably, probably in real life, it must've been weird. Like he's this champion of women, but also, you know, he's sleeping with, it seems everyone I mean, we're introduced to him with. I think was it one naked woman or two naked women? Well, it was one, the but
0: then it was, it was one. But then he walks out in the foyer and there's like, uh, it, it, it's a bacchanal.
1: Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because he's he's with Hefner, you know. It's like, well, actually, Jerry, that was bad to hang out with you, Hefner. Um. Well, then he tries to get, he invites but
0: Ar, He invites Arbach to go to the Playboy Mansion, and Arbach kind of blows him off and saying, "Yeah, of course you have keys. Like that's uh, that's exactly your reputation."
1: It's just just a very very different era. Um, a lot of a lot of problematic people in the show. Um, you know, Don Sterling is there is just like another rich dude at the time before he owned a team. Uh, but yeah, John C. Riley and and uh, Doctor J. Jim- bus there I, I would watch the entire show like i said if it was succession about the lakers just with john c riley in the uh in the brian cox role and
0: in, in a way we kind of are and let's leave it there yeah. it's going to be hard to knock bus off the number one spot on this list, but we're going to endeavor to do it. I can't wait to see what the movement looks like. Like we said, we barely touched on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just because he's had so little screen time, but I have to imagine he's going to be coming pretty strong to the cup with a skyhook, pun deeply intended. Thanks for listening to The Best of Seven. I'm Kyle Coster. That was Stephen Douglas. We'll catch you next time on Monday as Winning Time episode three airs on HBO. Keep ranking stuff. Believe <laughs> in your dreams.